everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Of course, that's Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys. And Joe, we have a special guest today. He's someone you know well. Why don't you introduce him? I uh, would be uh, honored to. This is, uh, please welcome Tom Foley. He is the bench coach of the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, before that, he was the third base coach, I believe, for 13 seasons. And he's done pretty much everything with the Rays that you can do since the organization was founded. He has been on the coaching staff of every Rays manager with the exception of Larry Rothschild. And Tom is one of the best uh, baseball minds I know. And uh, besides that, he's a heck of a guy. So, Tom, we appreciate you joining us, man. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me and thanks for the uh, uh, compliments there. I don't know if I can live up to those. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll hold you to it. <laughs> we have great uh, expectations for you, Tom. Yeah, oh, I love that. Well, uh, Tom, the reason Tom is is such a valuable guest for us this morning is that he was on the the coaching staff. He was the third base coach with Joe Madden for uh, all of Joe's tenure here in Tampa Bay, and that included the 2008 World Series. So Tom has a unique perspective on how Joe and the Cubs are going about their business, as well as his perspective now as bench coach on um, the strengths and uh, weaknesses, perhaps, of the Cleveland Indians. So, Tom, uh, let's start with Joe Madden and go back to 2008 when the Rays were in the World Series. How did he approach that event as a staff uh, with you guys and um, with the team in general? Well, um, first of all, 2008 was a pretty magical season because 2007, uh, I don't know how many people could have seen what could transpire in 2008. Uh, I, a lot of it was when Joe came to the organization that he just kept beating it to our, all the players' heads as well as the coaching staff that we're a good team and we're going to compete. And uh, even when times were rough, uh, it kept pounding that into our heads uh, to the point where so we believe we're a good team, and we just took off. 2008, going into the playoffs, uh, it, it was just magical. Uh, he, I don't think he approached it. I think they'll tell you the same thing now, that he's not going to approach those things anything differently, uh, any way differently. Uh, he'll get all the information uh, from the office people. I'm sure they do that in Chicago as well as we do here. And then he's going to manage the game as he's managed it ever since he became manager. Uh, so differently, other than maybe handling the pitching a little bit different because of the sports series. Well, the, um, especially for a team like Chicago, where the world, it seems, has embraced Cubs mania at this point. The world, outside of Cleveland, Ohio, at least, uh, yeah. is, is like almost willing the Cubs to victory. And uh, as we know, the Chicago Cubs are one of those special franchises. So, what uh, Joe's strength in a situation like that, Tom, wouldn't you say, is that he deflects all that pressure off his players and is willing to take all of that on his own shoulders just so that his, his guys can go out and do what they do best? Uh, 100%. You know, and he does that during the season. You know, the little quirks that he has. This guy's really eccentric. Uh, you know, not many guys will – have their team get on a plane, start a plane in pajamas, uh, or may have a western trip to Texas, or all-white trip to uh, Miami, or wear your favorite college football jerseys. I mean, he does a lot of things that basically take your mind, all the players' minds off the, off the season, uh, what's transpiring at that point, and he makes it fun. And he will take everything that's it's coming negative into an organization to put it on his shoulder. Tom, does it bother you? Yeah, go, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Tom, Tom, does it bother you or amuse you a little bit uh, where people outside of the Bay Area that don't know uh, Joe like we do um, think he's, a, uh, you know, the crazy old professor, uh, quirky uh, gimmicks, um, but... Tom, none of that works if you, if you don't win, and he wins. So, you know, uh, yeah. I'm sure 
sure you get a laugh when some of these national people uh, like to dissect and, and kind of make fun of Matt. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think he kind of feeds off that. I really do. Uh, he's different. He's not going to change. Uh, he's strong-willed about what he believes in. Uh, the things that he does may be off the wall, but that's Joe. Uh, you, you can see that when he's interviewed after a game. Uh, uh, you know, he walks out there in front of the dugout in his biker shorts and his, uh, his arms around uh, Jay, his wife, and, and doing the interview. He, he's a different guy, and people are going to hate him for what he does, and people are going to love him for what he does. Uh, but, you know, he never changes because it's real. Uh, and uh, the players believe in him. And when you get the club that believes in their manager, uh, even though he may be a little zany, a little wacky, uh, he's very intelligent, a real, real good baseball mind, and he's, pr- he's a proven winner. So, you know, they say a lot of people do hate winners, and uh, he's proven to be a winner every year. And, and he, uh, he went up to Chicago, uh, knew he had a good club, uh, he said at the beginning of the year, he told those players they had to embrace being kicked to go to the World Series and not run away from it. Um, uh, and they have, and they just went out and they played good baseball. That's Joe Matt. You know, Tom, what um, what this team, the Cubs team, has in common with the team that you were with in the World Series is they're both very young. What's... Um, what does Joe Madden and yourself and, and the coaching staff do to motivate and to get young players like in Chicago and like you had in Tampa Bay uh, prepared for something uh, like a World Series where it's, you know, it's very difficult to, uh, to even anticipate how to handle something like that? Well, uh, you know, until you get to a World Series, you really can't, uh, you know, how much you can prepare for with young players. They just go out and play. That's what Joe does. He lets them relax put them in situations uh, that they've been in all year, not doing anything really differently, uh, letting them play. Uh, we, we had a young team, but we also had a mixture of veterans, as well as the Chicago team this year. Uh, when you look at their pitching staff, it's a veteran pitching staff besides Hendricks. Uh, they've got guys that have been there. Uh, they have been uh, war tests, and they're going to go out there and they're going to compete. You know, when you get a good pitching staff, uh, you're going to be able to compete any game. Uh, but the Cubs, I mean, they've got they've got some offense too, and they play really good defense. So it's a solid team uh, going into that World Series, going into the playoffs. Uh, you know you're good. Uh, you, you, you've gone, you've advanced in the playoffs, and now you're sitting at the World Series. And they're not going to try and do anything different but play their Cubs style of baseball as we did when we were with the Rays in 2008. Tom, uh, a lot of people for uh, when they when they focus on 2008 uh, for the Rays. They forget how the uh, league championship series uh, almost got away from from you guys. You're up three-one. You're winning big, and what was going to be uh, what everybody thought would be the decisive game. Uh, Boston came back and and got you in that one, and all of a sudden you're in a game seven. How a lot of uh, of young teams would just crack under that pressure. You're playing the Boston Red Sox. You know, they've got the momentum. Everybody's waiting for you to pull. How was the approach, uh, as you recall, going into game seven to alleviate all that outside noise? Well, uh, that was an ugly night uh, when we were up 7 nothing in Boston, and you, you saw them coming back, and we put every pitcher we had in there. I mean – Al Ford, J.P. Howe, I mean, uh, and they just kept coming back, and they won the game. We came back home. They won that night. And, um, you know, we, we, we two nights in a row we had a chance to do it, and we didn't do it. And we just took the game seven as, all right, let's go out and just play the game, keep it close, uh, give us a chance to win. And and, and we did. It, it was, uh, you know, that bot, top of the ninth inning, I think the ground ball to Aki took a bad hop, and, and he made a really good play on it, and the game's over, and now we can all breathe, cry, scream, yell, whatever you wanted to do. But, uh, you know, you just keep grinding away. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, I remember that clubhouse scene. um, Well, actually, all three of them um, are leading up to uh, to the World Series, but that after you beat the Red Sox, that clubhouse scene was insane. I don't think some of my 
you know, I'm I'm not a player, obviously, but nobody was safe in the clubhouse that night. And I I think some of my clothes haven't dried out yet. So that was uh that was one of the great uh, moments certainly in franchise history. And you know, as a as a writer, I look back uh, and feel privileged to even get a sliver of what that was like because that was that was an amazing night. You know, you know, Joe. Uh, uh, whenever we whenever we uh, won a game, won a series, uh, clinched the playoff berth, clinched the divisional title, uh, we, we celebrated. And, you know, that's what teams do. And, uh, you know, nobody, nobody has been through that. There were a couple guys in, in the, in the, on the team that had been in the playoffs, I think. But uh, it was new to a whole lot of people as well as the coaching staff. I mean, me and Steve Henderson were around for I don't know how many years in the game and never been to playoffs, never. And then all of a sudden now we're staring at the World Series. And it was just uh, a lot of joy. Uh, especially for me, never, never, never been there as a player or as a coach. Uh, actually, I remember me and Steve hugging each other in the dugout, flew around on the field, and you know, almost crying like little babies. But it's a great feeling knowing that you're going to, uh, you're going into a series where you got a chance to win the World Series, to be the best, best in baseball that year. Ira, you have a Tom, question? Yeah, uh, just something quick, Jim. Uh, Tom, from a national perspective. You know, the the Cleveland Indians, you talk about under the radar, Tom. They they didn't make a lot of appearances on national TV. It was Cubs every week or, or Red Sox-Yankees or, or Dodgers-Giants. And, and uh, a lot of people didn't know much about the Indians. Um, Tom, you do. Um, I don't think you're shocked that um, they're going to give the Cubs all they can handle. Uh, what strikes you about this Cleveland team, Tom? Well, uh, first of all, you got Terry Francona over there. Uh, and you, you're talking about another guy that's uh, happy-go-lucky, keeps the clubhouse loose, uh, a real good demeanor with the players, well-respected in the league. Um, he's he's going to have them ready every day. I can remember playing the Cleveland Indians, and, and these guys, and I know they're not the same when we ran into them at the beginning of the year when they had all those pitches that were healthy. They've got some guys that are that are not healthy. Uh, and when they, when they can throw out a, a staff that they have in Carrasco, Kluber, Salazar, Bauer, I mean, these guys come at you, and it is every night a battle. Now, they're a little bit short. Uh, I understand that, but uh, they can still pitch. And if they got a lead, six inning, but now it's a six inning on, you're going to see Miller for maybe one or two, and uh, they'll piece it together and get to their closer. Uh, so, and another thing with them is, they do not quit, as I, I'm sure you can say about a lot of teams. But these guys really do grind it out late in the game. Uh, and it's, 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 I think it's going to be a great World Series. I really do. I know it's 1-1 now, and people, a lot of people are picking the Cubbies. But uh, that next Cleveland team is a solid team. It's really good to see a lot of young players uh, that are in the World Series right now, really a lot of young talent that uh, can really play the game. Well, uh, Tom, as you you alluded to uh, the Cleveland bullpen, and and Miller has just been insane uh, in this postseason. He's been he's been pretty good all year, but he's just been ridiculously good now. What uh, as somebody who has faced him uh, and and tried to uh, come up with a way to beat him, uh, what makes him so good, and how do you beat him? I don't know if you do. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Uh, not many people here. He's got to throw that slider and hitters count. Uh, and it may not be a strike, but when it comes out of his hand, it looks like a strike. And that's all about pitching, uh, deception, uh, to where you make a pitch look like a strike, and then it goes out of the strike zone. These guys chase it, as he did to Ross the other night with the bases loaded uh, on a 3-2 pitch. So, uh, I mean, he's not going to give in. He's never going to give in. It's, it's, the slider is his pitch. But you also got to remember, you're sitting on a slider, and you give it up, and he's going to pop a 95-mile-hour fastball right by you. Uh, it's a tough combination. And he's, he's, he's obviously one of the best best out there right now. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a good pitching staff. They've got a good bullpen. Uh, they keep it close. They've got uh, offense, too. That, uh, you know, it was good to see Perez, who would be a, a guy you really wouldn't have picked to be the star of game one, but... Uh, 
you know, they got to do things like that. They've got to put runs together and put rallies together. But Miller's going to be a shutdown guy if he gets to the sixth, seventh inning to get to the, get the end of that game. Hey, Tom, quick question on the weather situation. How does the oh. weather, which is going to be uh, for the rest of the series both cool and damp, how does that affect the players on, you know, when they're on the field, or does it at all? Oh, yeah. There's, there's no doubt it does. Uh, it's cold. But Joe, you remember our weather in the World Series in 2008, don't you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> game, I, I game, don't think it can get any worse than that. Game five was – maybe you've played in worse conditions, but I've, I've watched a lot of baseball, and I've never seen worse conditions for a game than, than game five. That was just – that was awful. Yeah, we had to battle through it. Uh, you know, we had a uh, cancellation. Uh, in fact, if uh, Carlos Pena doesn't get that hit and uh, BJ doesn't score, I don't really know what we're doing there. Uh, you know, I think they changed the rule now with a continuation that we, you know, after five innings, uh, it was just it worked out pretty good when we scored the run to tie it up. But that was a bad series, uh, bad weather series, I guess you could say. And it was miserable, and it does affect the players. It does affect the pitchers in cold weather. I know now that you can go to the mouth, and, and that helps out uh, for a pitcher. But, you know, it, it does affect uh, a lot of things. The hitters, if it gets real cold, you know, uh, if the ground is wet, uh, no, it, the weather can affect the game, and a lot of it probably goes to the pitcher. Uh, and if he can get comfortable and keep a grip on that ball for his pitching. When you get when you get rain like like you had back uh, in in Philadelphia during uh, Game Five, and it's blowing sideways because the wind was coming so hard, that affects the outfielders too on fly balls because the ball gets up yeah. in the lights a little bit. You don't know what you're looking at. No, absolutely. And when when BJ came around third base, there were puddles all over the third base line. When he when he cut the bag at third, I thought he was going to just fall flat on his face. And I really didn't think Pat Bur- Burrow was going to uh, make a very good throw, and he made a real strong throw, but it worked out for us. But weather plays a, a big part in it. If it's nasty weather, uh, that, that can change some things. But, you know, these two, both teams got to play in it. You, know, you can't complain about it, and you just go out there and do the best you can. Tom, you have a real appreciation for, uh, for infield defense, the glove work, um, and the Cubs got a guy – Tom at second base, uh, boy, he, he's got the look of a uh, of an eight-time All-Star, Baez. Everything he does, Tom, is with a little flair. You could tell the confidence that he has in himself. He wants to be great. Um, what what does the future hold for Baez going going forward? Uh, it's funny you should ask that. Uh, I'm sitting right next to my son. He's a scout for us uh, with the Rays. He's been here uh, five years with us. And he scouted him. He saw him when he played in uh, high school. And we were just talking about that. And he, you know, he, he really likes this kid. Uh, he does have a little flair. I'm not, I guess I'm the old guy, but I always tell the infielders, you know what, I want the cake, the whole cake, but I don't want any icing on it. So basically, make two teams and let's get on with the game. But he does have a little icing. Uh, and as long as he makes the plays, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He really does. He's power. Uh, he seems to be figuring it out a little bit. I've seen him in the last couple of games where he's hit a uh, breaking ball for doubles and he stayed on the breaking ball. Uh, struggled a little bit last night, but this, this kid's going to be something special. He's figured it out. I know he's played all, all the positions. It looks like he's settling in the second base with the Cubbies. Tom, can you teach soft hands like he's got? He, he, he makes some incredible plays with, with, with his hands. Gentlemen, you're born with soft hands. <laughs> if you got, if you got hard hands, you know what it is. It's, it's really uh, you're relaxing the forearm, uh, which softens the hands up. But if you tense up on a ground ball, your forearm tightens up and your hands get hard. Uh, and he's just, he's just real. I don't want to say lackadaisical. I just want to say he's real relaxed. And he just, he plays the game with so much confidence that he can play that way. Other guys may not have as much confidence. They want to make sure of the ground ball. They want to make sure they catch it. Uh, this guy's carefree, makes the plays. He's smooth. He's got all the actions. He's got a strong arm. Um, good player. Real good player. Tom, any predictions on who's going to win? No. 
Spoken like a true. You know what? I've got there, there are guys. I'm an American League guy, and I guess most guys probably say, "All right, you got to root for the American League." Uh, you know, I know Terry Francona, I know Joe Madden, Davey Martinez. Uh, been with him for so many years. He's in the bench uh, dugout over there. Ben Zobris, uh great guy. And on the other side, uh, you got Frank, you got Francona. Uh, oh, you got Hamilton over there. I'm going to miss guys. But Geyer over in Chicago. So this, you know, there's guys on both teams staying the game long enough. I guess they're going to end up a lot of other places. Uh, I want to see a good World Series. I know both these guys, these teams, spent a long time. And, uh, you know, whoever wins, it's going to be great. You know, they clear the slate, uh, not, not winning the World Series for a long time. But, yeah, I uh, I just want to see a good World Series, and you're not going to get a prediction out of me. What about the 20 – I was just going to say, what about the 2017 Rays? What, what is exciting you about the the team you've got coming back? Uh, well, uh, I think we've got uh, a, a solid group of guys that the positions are already taken up on. Uh, there are positions that we need to fill. Uh, I would probably imagine uh, the club might be looking for a catcher. Uh, but the infield with Longoria, Duffy coming back healthy, uh, Forsythe, Miller at first base, uh, Kiermaier in center field, uh, Susan Dickerson coming back. Uh, obviously, we need to fill a couple holes here and there. Pitching staff-wise, uh, our starting pitcher struggled at the beginning of half last year, solidified it a little bit in the second half. Uh, I know they can be better. You don't look at Archer and say, there's a 19-game loser. You can't do that. Uh, he's not that guy, and he won't be that guy next year. Uh, we, I believe he'll, he'll pitch a lot better and be that same guy that we've had the previous years before that. Uh, Bullpen-wise, we're going to have to make some acquisitions, uh, free agent signings, and and uh, do our homework. But you know what? The guys in the front office have been great. They've done it throughout the years, uh, piecing things together, and I have faith in them, and they'll do it again this coming year. Things didn't work out for some of our acquisitions last year. Uh, it happens. But, uh, you know, their, their their history has been great as far as doing that, and I believe they'll do it next year. Uh, you know, I do. I did forget two guys, and I tried to mention everybody on both teams. Uh, I had two guys in rookie ball. When I managed my first year, one was a catcher, one was a pitcher. Uh, it was the first team, two teams with the uh, Devil Rays at the time. One of them was Mickey Calloway, and one of them was Matt Quattaro. They're both with the Cleveland Indian staff. Uh, I'm happy for them, too. So, you see, I can't pick a team. I just, I just I root, root for both of them. That's certainly fair. Any final questions, guys, before we let uh, Tom go? Because, you know, we don't want to. We, we we don't want to mess up his drive to Sarasota here too much. Tom, no, Tom. I know this is Jim Hickey's, uh, you know, neighborhood, but uh, you know, you certainly know your baseball, Thomas. Uh, Archer, I, I find very interesting, Tom. You know, sometimes I think he overthinks things. Um, he's a thinker, a deep one, um, but a guy with a tremendous amount of talent. So, Tom, is it a case of uh? Trust your stuff and and uh, and don't overanalyze a little bit. Uh, I think so. I think there, there was a lot of talking, a lot of figuring out with uh, Hickey and and uh, Arch. He is very, he is a deep thinker, pretty smart kid. Uh, actually, handled himself pretty well on TV last last night or the night before. Yes, yes. But uh, and he enjoys that too. Uh, a great guy. I just don't see it. You know, I've seen him in the past couple of years where he just let it go. Uh, you know, you know, Jim Hickey's one of the best pitching coaches in baseball, uh, and he's been trying to figure him out. I think you got to keep it simple. Uh, you, you might be, you might be right with saying he's a deep thinker and he might be thinking too much. Just keep it simple. Go out there, trust your pitches. That's easy to say. Uh, you know, uh, but he's got all the stuff. He really does. Uh, he, you know, if you match him up with any pitcher on a given day, uh, he's just going to battle and, and compete. Any of the top pitchers in baseball. So, yeah, I think it might be where you maybe just keep it simple, crush your stuff, go ahead and throw it, let it loose, and uh, he's going to be back to the old arch. That's a simple way of saying it. I can't tell you any other way. <laughs> hey, um, uh, Tom, I've got a question about uh, Alex Cobb. 
uh, he, you know, we haven't talked a lot about him, but he came back and and gave gave you some pretty good work at the end of the season, coming off Tommy John surgery. What are you looking for 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 him in uh, 2017, and how could having a healthy Cobb uh, dramatically upgrade the uh, pitching staff? I think it'll be a huge, huge boost for us, uh, Alex, coming back. Uh, you know, he pitched at the end of the season for us. We tried to get him, I don't know, I think it was four starts, five starts. Uh, I'm not sure, but just to get him acclimated again and pitching in the games, and, and he did uh, struggle. Uh, he struggled with his changeup. It wasn't there, but uh, if I if I had to put a, a mark on why, uh, I just think he was tired. You know how you just battle. You want to get back. You want to get back to the big league. You're out most of the season except for the bent last month of the season. You're grinding away. You're working hard on rehab all year long, and you get there. And I just think he was exhausted. I really do. I, I think that he was tired. Uh, but Alex Cobb next year, I'm, I'm, he, he's, he's right up there at the top of our, our rotation. Uh, he'll come back. I think he'll he'll get it. Uh, you know, his, his pitch is a changeup. He didn't have it when he came back. He struggled to try to find it. He tried to force it. Wasn't there, but uh, I believe he'll be right there with the rest of our starters. Very good. Well, Anything, uh, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say, um, Tom, we really appreciate you joining us today. It's uh, you gave us some phenomenally good uh, insight into uh, both of the teams in the World Series, plus, of course, your own Tampa Bay Rays and. Uh, we wish you all the best in the off season, and uh, look forward to chatting with you when the season uh, comes back or we get a little closer to it. But it's been a pleasure having uh, Tom Foley of the Tampa Bay Rays with us on the Sunshine Boys podcast with Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the uh, Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from sportstalkflorida.com, and with me, my colleagues, of course, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. Gentlemen, big college football weekend. Ira, you led things off with a great piece that's up on Sports Talk Florida right now about Jack Del Rio, who's going to be at the world's largest cocktail party to see his son quarterback the Gators against the Bulldogs on Saturday. What a what a week for Jack Del Rio, uh, uh, Jim. Um, they polish off the Jaguars, which is no great feat, uh, apparently, uh, because Gus Bradley's hanging by a thread. Um, and, and I take no pleasure in saying that. Uh, but, but you know, Jacksonville's just – they have not lived up to uh, some expectations. Uh, and then uh, instead, Joe, instead of going back to Oakland, uh, they make the smart move and stay at the IMG Academy in Bradenton. Uh, in anticipation of coming to Ray J uh, on Sunday. Uh, now, Jim, the Raiders are four and zero on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since an Oakland team could say that they were terrible on the road until Del Rio showed up uh, a year ago. Uh, he's turning them around very nicely. Um, and then his weekend uh, highlight is going to be uh, Saturday, uh, going up to Jacksonville, uh, watching his son. Uh, take on uh, the Georgia Bulldogs and uh, Joe. The Gators are five and one. They are five and one. They got to go to LSU. We understand that, um, but the Gators are not out of the mix here. They got a good defense, and if Del Rio can have some uh, consistency w- w- with his dad uh, looking on from the stands, um, Florida can do some damage this year. Oh, I, this this is a fabulous opportunity Saturday uh, for the Gators. Uh, Georgia got off to a hot start. They were three and zero. Beat a, a as we as we have seen a pretty good North Carolina team to start the year. Uh, you're thinking, okay, well this you know Kirby Smart's uh, was a good hire for them, and then the wheels have come off. They've uh, lost three out of their last four, including. Uh, a one point loss to Vanderbilt. So of course, Florida struggled with Vanderbilt too. So uh, there you go. But uh, if Florida can win this game uh, Saturday, uh, this keeps them right uh, in the thick of things to play in the uh, SEC championship game against uh, guess who? 
probably <laughs> Alabama. But, <laughs> right. uh, you know, if you want to be the best, uh, you got to beat the best. So uh, Florida's probably not worried about that right now. Let's uh, just concentrate on the Georgia game. But uh, Del Rio is, is – it's his team right now. And um, they, the Gators need him to play well because uh, they've been getting by with their defense this year, and it's time for the offense to really pick it up. You know, Jim, uh, Jim, you've been very kind to me today because um, you have not mentioned the Miami Hurricanes, uh, of which I was touting them for about four weeks. Uh, but I'm going to fall on my sword here, Henderson, unlike you, and, uh, and admit that I was uh, wrong because, Jim, that loss to Florida State Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way it happened, um, you know, it, it kind of has uh, exposed Miami's immaturity because they have not recovered. They, uh, yeah. they are in an incredible tailspin, uh, and they're still thinking about the end of the Florida State game. Jim, I, I can't believe what, what's happened uh, on the UM campus. No, especially as talented. You know, Kopp is uh, as good a quarterback as there is in college football, but – he just uh, he seems to be spooked, and that entire team seems to be, you know, totally out of sync. And and coming into the FSU game, you know, you could make an argument that they they could have walked out of there and been in the, you know, in a in a prime position to perhaps right. sneak into the top ten. And you know, when things like that happens, you never know how it might end up. But they went the other way instead of going forward, and that one that one point loss really uh, did take a lot of starch out of uh, out of the hurricanes. No question about it. Well, um, uh, Mr. Kaufman, who was the one who was? Listen, be kind, be kind. I'm just saying, who was the voice of reason when uh, somebody, one half of the Sunshine Boys? was getting all worked up because the Hurricanes had beaten Florida A&M, Florida Atlantic, and Appalachian State. (laughs) Uh, uh, The Sunshine Boy's been eclipsed here, uh, gentlemen. I've been eclipsed. Uh, Uh, Have us the best uh, of them, Ira. Joe, the old Hurricane teams, uh, you know, obviously had a lot more talent, but they also had more mental toughness, Joe, uh, but I know you like that coach down there in Carl Gables, and uh, I do. You think I do. ultimately he's, he's going to get the job done? Well, he is. Mark Richt is is a proven winner. He's a class act. Um, Georgia will tell you probably that um, he left the cupboard a little uh, little understocked uh, in Athens, Georgia. But uh, overall, Miami's. They've got their guy. They just need to be patient. Their game this Saturday with Notre Dame, it's like, yikes. Um, two teams that, that really uh, are struggling to find their way right now. And uh, Miami is at Notre Dame, so, uh, ooh, the Gremlins will be out or whatever. But uh, that's uh, that's uh, not even the second-best game in the state this week. Um and I'm going to make a bold and brash statement, as Ira Kaufman would say. And okay. uh, from a rooting interest, uh, I know how Gator fans feel about when Georgia uh, come, you know, shows up in Jacksonville. But the uh, the game that is going to be on everybody's mind this week is Florida State and Clemson. And this is this is it for the Seminoles. They either win the game and salvage. Uh, what they think came into the season thinking would be a a championship run. They win this game. All of a sudden they're back feeling good about themselves. It's at the Doak Campbell stadium in Tallahassee Saturday night under the lights. The, everything is set. Uh, Clemson um, beat Louisville and we know what Louisville did to, uh, to the Seminoles, but Clemson has at times appeared vulnerable. They were, incredibly lucky uh, to uh, to escape from North Carolina State a few weeks ago at home, needed a botched field goal by uh, NC State at the end of that game. So I think Florida State's going to give them all they can handle Saturday night, and I, for one, will not be surprised if the Seminoles walk out of there with a victory. 
I, I got to say it. It could be a seminal moment. Is that what you're going for? Oh, oh sorry. Oh, Jimmy, that, Jimmy. It was it, it was just hanging there. You know, it just it just hung there. I, I couldn't. And there's a reason I left it hanging there. You know, you're not, not, <laughs> Williams, you're better than that. You're better I than know, that. I know. <laughs> I, you know, I got I don't know about you guys, but uh, having been to Jacksonville and bought that bridge way too many times. Um, I I would have pushed the plunger on the old Gator Bowl. I mean, that would have been my joy to get it out of there. And so to play the game in the new park up there, I'm sure is going to be a lot of fun. And it's still the world's biggest cocktail party. But there's been a lot of Gator, um, a lot of Gator memories that have died on uh, a Saturday there in uh, in Jacksonville. So um, we're just hoping that. Uh, that young Mr. Del Rio's success there is going to be good. And Joe, you're, you're spot on with regards to the Clemson uh, game against FSU. I think that's going to be a, a real um, key battle. And I, you know, if everything holds true to form, it's going to be an entertaining one, but you know, you got to look at uh, if you're a South Florida fan, that game against Navy is going to be one heck of a game tonight. Uh, yeah, Friday. That that if you're a South Florida fan and you watched that utter train wreck last week uh, at Temple, where mm-hmm. Temple just ran all over uh, the the USF run defense, it was it was uh, Halloween come early because it, that was that was fright night. And now all you got to do is beat. Navy, who runs the option and specializes in running all over top of people and has already beaten Houston. And um, it, this, this is really going to be a, a defining moment, not a seminal moment, a defining moment for the USF season. Because if they, if they can beat Navy, Navy is ranked now, uh, that puts USF back in the conversation, keeps them in, in the conversation to appear in the conference title game. Lose, and, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, a nice season, but not the kind of season it could have been. And uh, so uh, a lot of questions about the USF defense right now. Willie Taggart uh, forced to uh, defend his defensive coordinator. Um, but uh, you might, if you're a USF fan, you might want to, approach that game Friday night with your eyes covered and maybe peek out every now and then to see how they're doing, because this is going to be a tough test. You know, it could be a big scoring game. Yes. You know, Jim, we've spent a lot of this year lauding the uh, USF offense, Joe, and and with good reason. Um, You know, that streak of 35 points ended, but they still got 30. So, you know, I think it's 12 straight games with 30 or, or more. That's not bad. Uh, but as Joe pointed out, you know, when they play, you know, quality teams like FSU, the, the defense gets exposed, uh, as, as it happened last week and could happen again this week. So there's a lot of work, Jim, to do on the defensive side of the ball for Willie Taggart going forward. He's got a nice offense, but they're, they're a little unbalanced right now, and, and it shows up uh, when they play a, a real quality opponent. Well, you know, UCF is in Houston this week, and if um, if Scott Frost wants to make a statement and and put this team back on the map, it uh, you know Mackenzie Milton, their freshman quarterback, against uh, Greg Ward and the Houston Cougars. If they could come out of Houston with a win, that would be something. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that. They're going into a hornet's nest, though. I mean, really. Uh, Houston, um, we know the ambitions they had. They were they were even talking for a while about getting uh, into uh, the playoffs. Uh, right. And now uh, they're they're probably not even going to be playing for the uh, conference championship. So um, we'll see what uh, what kind of uh, Houston Cougars team shows up for this. But I'm I'm guessing. Uh, that it's going to be one solely focused on on UCF, and that's not necessarily good news for the Knights. Uh, tough place to play, and Houston is a good football team. Uh, not quite sure what's happened to them here recently, but uh, 
they'll be ready to go. I think well, this kid Milton's going to be a good one, Jimmy. Yeah. I think he's going to be a good one. He, uh, I believe he's from Hawaii and mm-hmm. um, landed in Central Florida. That, that, that's quite a jaunt. And um, he's getting better every week. Uh, now, is he ready to step up uh, against uh, Houston? We'll, we'll see. But I think he's done a nice job to developing mm-hmm. some talent around him. Um, and like Joe said, this would be a, a, a big statement uh, from Central Florida. Uh, but I think they got a quarterback that uh, they trust, and um, they're going to surround them with more and more talent. Uh, things are looking up uh, for UCF, Jim. Yeah. I do believe, like Joe and, and you, Ira, that um, that going to Houston is a tall task, and it's unlikely that they will win. I just was thinking that you know, if if they could – Sneak out of there with a big victory that would put the, you know, that put them back on the map. But um, you know, let's don't get ahead of ourselves. It's it's a it's right. a pretty heavy uh, lift to take uh, Houston out. Um, I guess that moves us uh, any more uh, college stuff that we should be talking about, or should we go on to the pros? Uh, let's well, talk I a little guess. NFL. All right. Yeah, let's right. Talk. How about the Buccaneers in that game this week against uh, the aforementioned? Oakland Raiders. Jim, did you see how quickly uh, Henderson wanted to switch to the pro game uh, with the Bengals on a one-game winning streak? Jim, did you notice <laughs> yeah. that? Hey, they, uh, yeah. they took down the powerhouse Cleveland Browns last week. Come on. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. The Bucks are in the same spot, Jim. They took mm-hmm. down the powerhouse 49ers. Right. And anybody who watched that game, like Henderson and I did, quickly realized San Fran's not very good. Uh, now, of course, they led 14 nothing. Um, but, you know, Jim, we've learned here in Tampa, you, you don't look down your nose at any win, especially on the road, especially when you're down 14 nothing early in the game. So the Bucks are showing some improvement. They're showing signs of life. Jim, they're 3-3. Three and, three. and now, gentlemen, the final hurdle. Dirk Cutter seeking his first home victory as an NFL coach. This is really almost reached comical proportions, gentlemen. Uh, Romy Smith, and I'm not making this up, Jim, mm-hmm. his first year in Tampa, 2014, mm-hmm. he went 0-8 at home, Jim. 0-8. Not easy to do. No. Last year, last year he went 3-5. and Add it all up, Joe, do the math, and the, the Bucks. Are three and fifteen at home over the last three years. That's hard to do, Mr. Henderson. Very so, tough. Very tough. If, you know, if Jim Williams is wondering when you, when are you going to fill up Raymond James Stadium, the answer is how about winning some home games for a change, Joe? Well, and and we can certainly uh, hope, pray, whatever uh, whatever works that there's. There's not an hour-long lightning delay this week. Uh, the the Bucks have had two games interrupted by lightning. Um, there's weird things happen to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they step onto the hallowed turf of Raymond James Stadium. But um, you know what? They're feeling pretty good about themselves right now. And and as you correctly point out, uh, beating San Francisco is is not exactly. Uh, going to lead sports center uh for the for the mighty <laughs> but uh you know what they're three and three and they're starting to get at least a little bit healthy and jacquiz rogers has just been i hope it's i hope it's not a uh, flash in the pan i hope i hope this guy's the real thing because he is fun to watch or has been for the for the last two weeks uh mike evans is is Certainly, you would have to put him right now in the uh, in the class of one of the handful of elite receivers in the league. Um, Absolutely. And, and you know, if, if they're going to have a tough time stopping Oakland's passing game this weekend, Oakland will. You know, Derek Carr is a, is a terrific young quarterback. They've got some good receivers. Uh, Amari Cooper, uh, Tim Crabtree. Um, Remember him? Michael, He's, Michael, Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree. Uh, Michael yeah, Crabtree. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, Michael right. Crabtree. But re- remember him? And yeah. um, there you go. So um, 
going to be a big challenge for the Bucks this week. And um, Ira, you remember a game against the Oakland Raiders at at Ray J back in the day when John Gruden was still the coach, and yes. the uh, it was the final flameout for the Great Buccaneer collapse of uh, what was it 2007, Eight. right? Eight. Eight. Hey, 2008. Eight. They were yep. they were they were uh, nine and three at one point. Ended up nine and seven. Lost that That's last right. game to the Raiders. Uh, turned out to be the last game for the great Derek Brooks uh, and the last game that John Gruden ever coached because he was fired after the season and the great rebuild uh, began in Tampa Bay. Which you know I've I've seen. Uh, I don't think it's it, took them as long to build the Taj Mahal as it has taken to rebuild this football team. <laughs> but uh, we're seeing some signs of progress. And uh, so, you know, here come the Raiders again. So maybe this will be a nice measuring stick for the Bucks to see how far they've come uh, since that awful day uh, that uh, ended their last big run at a playoff. Well, it looks like your Bengals uh, this week, Joe, um... It's breakfast with the Bengals, uh, 9.30 from London. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to say it. I hate those London games. Uh, I, think the, I think the players, they'll, you know, they'll say the right things, but they, coaches have got to hate it. Players, you know, hate it. You're going over there. It's your, your body clock's all messed up. Uh, it, it kind of has the feel of a circus. And so you don't really know what to expect. You know, Marvin Lewis will have the Bengals ready to play as Jay Gruden will have the Redskins ready to play. Redskins let one get away last week. Yep. Um, but for all of, since we're talking about the Bengals, they um, are amazingly enough, still in the hunt in their division. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh has come back to the pack. Uh, Baltimore figured out what they were doing right and corrected it. And uh, then you've got the uh, Cleveland Browns, which is the NFL equivalent of a homecoming game uh, every week. So great opportunity for the Bengals. Uh, Andy Dalton is playing, playing better. And uh, Jeremy Hill exploded last week. Uh, I think it was about 160 some yards. So, um, you know, the Bengals need to win. They just, you know, they cannot afford any slip-ups from here on out against teams they should beat, and they should beat the Washington Redskins. Let me ask you guys a quick uh, question. Go ahead, Ira. I was just going to ask uh, the two. Uh, Jeff, Go ahead. Uh, Go Jeff, ahead. Quickly, uh, uh, you know, the NFL loves to tout this uh, overwhelming popularity and demand for tickets uh, overseas. Um, I don't think I'm buying it. Jim, I really don't. Uh, now that does that doesn't mean there's going to be thousands of empty seats at Wembley. I'm not saying that, but the league puts a lot of resources every year into making sure that those seats are filled. Jim, mm -hmm. it's yeah. like a year it's like a year round job for uh, for people in the NFL office. And you know, I know they're looking for more revenue streams and they want to make it a $25 billion industry, you know, within five years. I understand that. Uh, but I'm kind of with Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit over these games. I, I don't think uh, the teams themselves are too interested anymore. And um, I don't know. They're talking about going into other venues, uh, you know, Mexico City, uh, resurrecting that. Uh, maybe some other countries, uh, maybe putting a team full time, uh, a team or two in in London. Jim, I, I don't, I don't think that makes any sense. No, uh, I don't think they will. They, uh, they're, they're still talking about it. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen, Jim. No, I don't. I, I agree. I wanted to ask you and Joe what you thought. I, I mean, to me, the way these things are set up, it's almost like the NFL version of a bowl game. So, you know, you get on the plane, you fly over to London, you bring some fans. It's a it's a great situation. There's a lot of expats, you know, in Europe that make their way over to uh, London, to Wembley to see the games. But 
And, and you know, I've been to Europe, and I can tell you, there's not yeah. an overwhelming amount of people who's excited about, you know, NFL football in Europe. And they do some, you know, Jim, they do some events, you know, mm-hmm. leading up to the yeah. game, just like a bowl game. Um, you, you know, uh, they're, they're all over the, uh, you know, they're all over the city, uh, so fans can reach out and, and, and touch these players. And then right. uh, finally they play, and Joe, they, and they get on a plane and go back home. So, you know, it, it was a great novelty. At the start, uh, now I think it's more of a, an annoyance than a novelty, Joe. Well, and this would have been a home game for the Cincinnati Bengals, and they gave that up to go participate in this show. And I, I you know, they'll do it. They're professionals. They'll they'll work. They'll do fine, but. I guarantee you that in the middle of a season when you're trying to get back in a playoff race, trying to reestablish yourself as a championship contender, the last thing you need to be doing is this kind of circus stunt. So, you know, I do not like the London games. I I see very little upside for the teams involved. And uh, Ira, as you uh, as as you and Jim both correctly point out, I don't see that much upside for the league because uh, you're diluting your product and you're really cheating the hometown fans uh, out of a chance to to see their team. So, with all that in mind, uh, they still got to go play the game, and uh, if they lose, you can expect me to whine greatly on the next Sunshine Boys podcast. Well. Um... <laughs> It's I, I don't it, I don't know I've seen all the Redskins games this year I don't think you have to worry too much uh, about it'll be it'll be entertaining but it will definitely be an interesting situation by the way just out of curiosity um, travel time from Cincinnati to London is only an hour more than travel time from Cincinnati to Seattle so wow. Uh, wow. Gives you an idea of um, yeah, but of, it's uh, travel time from Cincinnati to London is considerably longer than what would be taking a bus from the team hotel in Cincinnati to Paul Brown Stadium, which is what they would have been doing. That's that's true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> and even and we're talking even in traffic. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think there's yeah. any problem with that one. Any other games on the uh, agenda, boys, that you are going to look at and say, well, this. This could be something interesting. I think, um, Jim, I, I think that maybe the Bills are playing New England again. Um, I believe this game's in Buffalo. Um, they are. And let's remember, you know, let's remember, Joe, now now Brady did not play week four, and the Pats were 3-0 and already, um, and they were home with two ends, and, and they, got, they got walloped by the Bills. I believe they got shut out by the Bills. Correct. Um, that started a four-game winning streak for Buffalo. Uh, now, look, Brady didn't play, but still, Joe, they don't lose in Foxborough. They don't. Um, and that was a big game for Rex Ryan with all his bluster and all the times that he likes to tweak Bill Belichick. Well, he finally beat him. Um, you know, and Belichick, uh, whether Brady played or not, Belichick don't like losing, and we know that. Uh, so now they go off to um, Western New York, um, and the Bills are, you know, hanging around. They're hanging around. Uh, nobody thinks New England is, is going to get uh, uh, unseated in the AFC East. Nobody. Uh, but we'll see. Brady, Joe, has been fabulous. Fabulous. Uh, hasn't missed a beat. I don't think he's more motivated because of the flake gate. I just think it's Tom Brady being Brady. Joe, he's the best. You could disagree with me here, gentlemen, but I think he's the best quarterback uh, of the modern era. I didn't see Otto Graham. Joe, I know I'm old, but I didn't see Otto Graham. Um, Brady's the best I've ever seen, period. And uh, I think I think he's going to prove it again on Sunday. Yeah, that was a that was a bad loss last week for Buffalo at Miami. That was just that was that took. You know, all of a sudden, you we were you know, everybody was looking at Buffalo like, hey, you know what? Uh, they got it going, and then all of a sudden, yeah. they don't have it going, and now you you know you got to play the Patriots. Um, 
This is usually when um, Rex Ryan's team says the wheels start to wobble. And um, so I agree with you. I think, I think New England will take care of business Sunday. Um, it's um, not an overly exciting uh, week for the NFL, starting with the Thursday night game. Uh, set your DVRs. Jacksonville and uh, Tennessee. Oh, boy. Um, oh boy. Um, that'll, this will be a night where I may turn the uh, remote over to my lovely wife and tell her it's okay to watch QVC because, uh, there's, uh, unless you've got a fantasy rooting interest, uh, in, in that game, I don't see why most folks would bother to turn it on, which will, uh, feed into the whole narrative of, uh, how the TV ratings are down this year. A good night for Netflix. Okay. Good to hear. Good to know. Uh, anyway, guys, one second, one second. Yeah. There is an interesting game Sunday that nobody's talking about. Okay. And I'm just going to plant a seed. Everybody assumes the Cleveland Browns are going to go 0 and 16. That's the new, that's the new storyline. It's like Kendall gonna... told us from Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they host the New York Jets Sunday. Mm-hmm. And with all the chaos going on in New York over the quarterback and, and you know, Fitzpatrick ripping everybody in, in sight and, and all the <laughs> other stuff, I am going to venture out on a limb and say this is the week the Browns get off the schneid. Okay. And when it happens, you, you can say, I told you so. I, I heard it, it here. Happen, I'll it edit happen, it out. <laughs> I'm here to save you guys. So if it doesn't happen, it'll be out of here. I'll make sure that there it's you not. Go. I appreciate it. That's, uh, you know, I do my best. It's it's like, you know, my version of WikiLeaks in reverse. You know, we just there we you clean go. up stuff. Well, guys, we've come to that time of uh, the show where it's last call. So, Ira, last call for you. Uh, What's on your mind as you go into the weekend? And um, give us your social media. All right, Jim. Just quickly, uh, from a buck perspective, Jim, you know, they have an opportunity in front of them, James. Uh, If they win this game, they're 4-3. The Falcons are playing Green Bay, Joe. That's a game that Atlanta could certainly lose. Uh, The Bucs could be in first place by the time they meet the Falcons on Thursday night in Tampa, looking for a season sweep. So it's all in the Buck hands, Jim. Take care of business. Um, Vegas says this is an even game. That sounds right. It's an even game. Although I can't imagine, Joe, given the circumstances that the Bucks get three points for being the home team. I, I, I think uh, I think that's nuts at this point. Uh, but there's an opportunity. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Jim, uh, at iKaufman76. Cool. Joseph. Well, uh, I'm going to keep it local um, this weekend. Obviously, I'll, I'll be uh, paying close attention to the Bucks, But... Uh, it's it's going to be a great college football weekend. With Florida, Georgia is always must-see TV. And as we mentioned, uh, you've got FSU and Clemson on Saturday night. So there's a, you know, need an extra-large tub of popcorn for this one, but uh, it'll be fun to watch. And um, you can find me on Twitter at jhendersontampa, T-A-M-P-A. Well, thank you both guys and I'll tell you this uh, you're right Joe this is going to be a lot of fun and I'm I'm going to add to that list of games the uh, the Navy South Florida game cuz I think that that's going to be um it's going to be a very entertaining game and uh and hopefully the the Bulls will be able to take it and uh, uh it'd be nice if we had a Florida sweep this week of all the uh if FSU could get by Clemson the Gators could get by the Bulldogs and and uh, and the good old boys from South Florida could sink the Naval Academy. So we'll see how that works out. Um, and as Kenny Main used to say, they don't play games on paper. They play them on television. So we'll have to see how that works out. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Uh, it's been fun. And we want to thank 
Joe Henderson for setting up uh, our guest this uh, time around. And that, of course, was Tom Foley, the bench coach of the Tampa Bay Rays. He was very entertaining. And uh, Ira, of course, with uh, uh, earlier this week with Mr. Bill Rasmussen, who we'll be hearing uh, very, very soon, the man who started ESPN. So we've had a good week in on the um, Sunshine Boys podcast, and we're just going to keep trying to make it better so that you guys come back and you listen to us and you understand that we're we're trying to enlighten you and entertain you. So that's all we can do. We can do no more. Anyway, have a great weekend. We hope that your team wins. We're the Sunshine Boys podcast on sportstalkflorida.com. 